Two brothers in a van, and then a meteor hit, and they ran as fast as they could. From giant cat monsters, a Mexican armada shows up with weapons made from to tomatoes. And you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business. But let's get back to the brothers because they're, they have a strong bond. You don't want to know about it here, but I'll tell you one thing. It's two brothers and a, and, and they're gonna, it's called Two Brothers. Two Brothers. It's just called Two Brothers. Welcome into another edition of the Gang Does Fantasy Podcast. Back after a brief two-week hiatus, I am your commissioner. Call me if you get mossed. Joined today by Forgetting Terrace Marshall, who right now at 7-1 has opened up a two-game lead in the United's division and for best record in the entire league. It's been a while. I believe the last time you were on the podcast was preseason, back when you were considered and also ran. Now you're at the top of the league. Would you say right now that you feel like you're the clear favorite? You know, it's bold of me to think that I could be the favorite. Um, I don't think I am. You know, I think my highest scoring week uh, was lower than even Taylor's highest scoring week. So, I mean, that's saying something. Um, a lot of my wins have just been schedule based. You know, a lot of the weeks I'm barely beating half the league. Uh, well, just for, for the record, your highest week was uh, 235.78 and Taylor's highest week was 241. So Taylor did beat you out there, though. Taylor's 241 is actually one of the highest uh, high scores of anyone in the league so far this year. Um, so right now, if you wouldn't consider yourself the favorite, is there anyone out there that you would consider the top favorite? Um, I think it would be pretty hard for me if I was facing like Nick. I think Nick, after that trade, has just bombed way up. And uh, every week he's pretty much outscoring me. Yeah, Nick has been the high scorer almost every week since he's gotten uh, – since he's made the deal. He's won four straight matchups, as we'll mention later on. And in his first game after the trade, 270.84 points, one of the highest scores in league history, uh, just edging out Barron in that matchup, who had 265.46. Um, would you so, be the other one, yeah. Yeah, so would you say that right now uh, – would you say Nick at this point – is a bigger favorite than Daniel was this time last year? That's a good question. Um, I don't know exactly what Daniel's record was uh, coming into week nine. Um, he was also uh, seven or eight and one. Right. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I definitely, yeah, Nick's team is, is probably more stacked, I would say, than Daniel's, just based purely on all the all the moves he's been able to get. I don't, I don't remember Daniel's team left from last year, unfortunately, but I do uh, well, think Nick is probably going to win. That, that would be my fucking bet right now. Okay. Okay. Um, luckily for me, I get to face him this week, uh, which we'll break down later on in the podcast. Uh, just a couple more things focusing on you before we get to a broader league discussion. Uh, you made a couple of the most high-profile trades so far in the league this year. Uh, I just wanted to review a couple of them, review them to see how you're feeling about them now after the fact. Um, mm -hmm. Dak Prescott was out on Sunday, but, uh, but fortunately for you, you had Joe Burrow to step into his place. Uh, a, a quarterback that you acquired for Taylor Heineke uh, from Sam, the Washington football team starting quarterback. How would you feel about that trade now versus when you made it? Do you feel like it ended up working out well? Oh, yeah. I mean, Taylor Heineke's fallen off a cliff. And Joe Burrow just seems to be killing it with Jamar. Yeah, and it gives um, you the it gives you the nice little bangle stack with those two, and Mixon. Yeah, it was both like uh, 
that trade, everyone kind of was writing it off as like basically a non-trade is like, well, why are we even, what, what was even the point is like, it gives Jack a little bit of value later on because, you know, Taylor Heineke might not be starting. Um, but yeah, as it turns out, this is, yeah, gone completely one-sided. Yeah, there actually has been some rumors that coming out of the bye, the Washington has a bye this week, that coming out of the bye that other Allen may be getting the start over Heineken because I don't believe that Fitzmagic is going to be back from his hip injury yet. Uh, but so far, mm-hmm. that's looking like a W for you. Uh, one of your bigger, a low-key huge move that now gives you arguably three QB1s if that's, if that's how people would assess Joe Burrow at this point. Uh, and then also probably the larger trade that you made, you acquired Dalvin Cook from Taylor in exchange for Travis Kelsey. I would say right now, both of them has sort of underwhelmed post-trade, but at this juncture, would you say that you feel good about your decision to make that deal? Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, it seems like the Chiefs offense has taken a, a bit of a dip, so to speak. Uh, Dalvin is not getting the work I would like him to get, but uh, with Kittle coming back this week, um, I'm certainly not feeling too too worried uh, about my tight end position. And Taylor definitely still needs to be worried, uh, especially since the Chiefs just got that spicy new tight end. Might be taking all of Kelsey's delicious routes away. Yeah, Dan Brown may be coming in for it. Uh, Travis Kelsey has been, in the last four weeks on average, has averaged out to be the fifth best tight end in fantasy, averaging just under 14 points. Uh, And then we compare that to Dalvin Cook, who has been farther down on the list, but is averaging over the last four weeks 20.05 points for you, although he also has missed some games with injury. And presently, you don't have the handcuff Alexander Madison. Uh, So now let's move on to the waiver wire, which was a pretty active one this week. I think we have to, before we get into the first couple ones, I think that we have to mention the fact that a lot of this is in the aftermath of Derrick Henry, who without question, without question, has been the MVP of the fantasy season so far, perhaps in real life NFL as well. But fantasy wise, Mm -hmm. there's no one even remotely close to what Derrick Henry has done so far this year. Uh, and it looks like with a he hurt his fifth metastar, metastarsal, mes, I don't know. He, <laughs> he hurt his foot. His foot got hurt, and he's going to be out most likely for the rest of the fantasy season. And he he garnered such a – he built up such a lead that he might still finish the top five to ten fantasy running back for the entire season. That's how dominant he was. Uh, but as a result of that, there was a feeding frenzy, if you will, for Derrick Henry's replacement in Tennessee, which at the so first of the all, very muddy Curtis, backfield decision, very muddled backfield at this point, to say the least. And right, so Curtis, who had Derrick Henry, he goes in and he scoops Adrian Peterson AD all day for ten dollars, beating out yourself and Sam, who both had who both bid zero dollars on him. And then I didn't Melfi, think that was coming through. Yeah, I, I figured you probably – I actually I stayed away because I thought Peterson was going to go for like 20 or 30 bucks, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. But actually, it was not Adrian Peterson that went for the larger amount uh, of all the Titans running backs. It actually is Jeremy McNichols who went for $56 to Melfi, who, you know, Melfi apparently is just – he used to have some really hard and fast rules about waiver wire bids. No more. Jeremy McNichols is available 56. T.Y. Hilton's available 35. You know what's crazy on- is he was planning on spending all this money on loans and stuff, and where, where is that? Has that has there even been a single loan that wasn't just an IR bench spot? Yeah, there's not been a there's not been a traditional loan so far this season, and at this point, Melfi has six dollars. So outside of Sam, is actually the most destitute uh, manager in the entire league at this point. So I do not believe that a loan will be materializing for Melfi at this point in the year. So he gets. Jeremy McNichols for $56 and he outbids. Um, there's quite a bit of interest for McNichols relative to Peterson. So it's not just Melby who felt that way. Taylor bid $25. Eric bid $14. Daniel bid $7 and Sam maxed himself out with a $0 bid. Uh, <laughs> so 
there was a lot of interest in McNichols and it's worth noting that McNichols was a, he, he got a lot of receptions against the jets. Whenever the Titans were playing that game without uh, AJ Brown or Julio Jones. So I guess that that would make sense on some degree. Uh, Let me pull up, let me pull up that game log just so we can uh, give me the proper, proper numbers on that. Um, He had like Taylor's $25 bid is more online with, what I would think he would go for. He had, okay. He had eight catches for 74 yards uh, in that Jets game, just for the record. But yeah, I mean, $25 seemed appropriate. Um, 25 and under for Peterson and McNichols, I thought made sense just given the potential there, because I think even if the Titans move away from being as run heavy as they were with Derrick Henry, they still are going to run the ball a lot. So that, that is a position that has a potential for uh, a lot of action, but at this point, for me, it was difficult. Myself, personally, the reason why I didn't go too hard on either of them is the same reason that you said, is that, to me, I think it's just such a muddy backfield that right now I don't feel comfortable investing significant amount of fab, especially in my position where, you know, I only have 17 left. So I'm, just, I'm not in a financial position where I can just be throwing money around willy-nilly. I mean, that's, that was what happened when I made the Damian Williams mistake, which in retrospect is, was very clearly a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of money to be throwing around on potential. I mean, we don't, I mean, Adrian Peterson, uh, Jerry McNichols, who knows? I mean, would it surprise it could also anyone? be with Deontay Foreman, right? They signed him as well. He's a veteran. Right. right. So why, you know, there, there's no reason why it couldn't be Deontay Foreman getting the main run there instead. Uh, I mean, McNichols, it seems like he may just end up being the pass catching back here, which per- perhaps has some value, especially with Julio out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Foreman has, he was on the Titans before, so they do, do have some familiarity with them. And within that, you know, I don't, I don't have the roster flexibility to add one of these guys. Like, so for me, it was just sort of a stay away situation, but I can see why, you know, you're trying to get a leg up and Melfi, Melfi and Taylor, you know, their running back situations became a little bit more money than week, week eight, which we'll get to later on. So I, I can see why they'd make that move. Uh, moving on past th- those additions, we get to Daniel who made two additions for 10 fab total, two wide receivers. He added, this is of course in the wake of Calvin Ridley taking, uh, he said he's going to step away for a little bit to focus on his mental health. We Mm -hmm. of course um, encourage Calvin Ridley to do whatever he needs to do to get himself feeling good because, you know, this was last week was the second time in a month that he missed for that. Um, You know, hopefully for Daniel Calvin Ridley is back before the end of the year, but most important thing is Calvin Ridley, um, getting himself in a better mindset. But anyway, he, in the wake of that, he bid $3 and got Elijah Moore, who was a player that I originally drafted and was extremely hyped on entering the year. Uh, and, and it ended up being one of those deals, if you remember, where you and I were sort of on opposite ends of which way we were gambling with the Jets receiving core, where mm-hmm. I wanted to make I wanted to make my gamble on Elijah Moore, who the training camp reports that all said was a superstar, and you wanted to go with Corey Davis, who in the preseason really established himself as Zach Wilson's go-to guy. Uh, and so far, I mean, I, I mean, I cut Elijah Moore, and Sam picked up Elijah Moore and cut him. So that, that was another decision that you ended up being completely right on and I was wrong on. Uh, so Moore goes for $3. I'm a little surprised that he need, he felt he needed to bid money to get him, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then Especially he got – he's coming up and down that many times. Right, yeah, and Elijah Moore actually saw his uh, – his underlying numbers went down last week relative to what they were against the Patriots in week seven. And then also Daniel gets Brian Edwards for $7, and Edwards um, unfortunately holds more value now because Henry Ruggs, the, uh, the Raiders' first-round pick from 2020, I believe they took him something like you know 13th overall or something like that it was ahead of cd lamb jerry judy justin jefferson and brandon Ayuk. um so that but you know he had emerged as a a dominant deep threat this year but tragically um henry ruggs was arrested earlier this week for dui resulting in death he i mean the, the details are pretty gruesome he you know he crashed his car it was late like three or four in the morning drove his car right into the back of someone else's car fast enough to make that other car catch on fire. And the woman inside the car tragically burned to death. So obviously that's the most important thing is that 
Uh, someone here died. But within that, Henry Ruggs got released, and it looks like he's going to be spending at least two years in jail uh, for, the, for his crime. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, that means Brian Edwards and the other Raiders wide receivers have did gain a little bit of value in the wake of that. And Daniel's hoping to take advantage with Edwards at seven dollars. Uh, I'm a little surprised. I mean, that's that- kind of an assumption, in my opinion. I, I think, I think the Raiders' offense, uh, if they don't pick up like Deshaun Jackson or or like resign John Brown or something, I I think that offense is just going to regress. I feel like Rugs was a pretty integral portion of that offense, you know? Yeah, he definitely, like, his deep ball certainly opened up space across the middle for guys like Edwards, Zay Jones, uh, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, uh, Deshaun Jackson was placed on, is going to be placed on waivers today by the Rams. We'll find out by this time, to, probably around this time tomorrow, maybe a little bit later, which team ends up claiming him. The Raiders have been reported as being interested in Jackson, so that could be a destination for him and would be a nice replacement. John Brown, as you mentioned, also was on the Raiders in training camp. They cut him after the year, uh, but now I believe he's kind of floating around and would potentially be another Ruggs replacement. Um, So I guess perhaps other people felt like you did, and that's why no one else bid on Edwards, but uh, should be an interesting thing to track moving forward. Barra made two additions. He added Boston Scott for $5. Scott was the top running back for the Eagles last week uh, when they completely changed their game plan out of kind of out of nowhere and became a, after they only had two running back carries on Monday night football against the Cowboys, I believe week four, which is the lowest of all time. The Eagles went full on run game and just complete this handed the ball off to Boston Scott and Jordan Howard over and over again on Sunday against Detroit. So I guess, I guess Barrow liked what he saw with Boston Scott. And then he also went $6 on Van Jefferson, who I had a backup bid on for $1 to get Van Jefferson. We mentioned Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Part of the reason why he's out in Los Angeles is that he's been seeding snap share to Van Jefferson over the last few weeks. So, you know, with already having Cooper Cup, already having Matthew Stafford, this seemed like a shrewd move for me, in my mind, for Van Jefferson. Do you think that Jefferson or Boston Scott moved the needle at all for Barra, in your opinion? I don't think Boston Scott is going to be worth much. I mean, he got a lot of of value in a game where they absolutely blew out the other guys, right? Like 44 to zero. Uh, Ended up 44 to six, but yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't think that that's going to be necessarily representative of the Eagles going forward at all. Um. So I'm not a fan of that one. Van Jefferson, I was looking at picking up um, when I was picking up Jamal Agnew. I was kind of debating between those two. Um, I ended up going with Agnew. Uh, I think they'll probably end up being around the same uh, value. I mean, Van Jefferson's been doing great last few weeks, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, Agnew at this point seems like a safer play on a week to week basis, but Jefferson has the higher upside just because it's a more high octane offense. He's going to go deep more than Agnew is. And, you know, let's say hypothetically, we hope this doesn't happen, but this football injuries do happen. If Cooper Cup or Robert Woods gets hurt, Van Jefferson arguably steps up into a potentially top 15 wide receiver at fantasy. So I think in terms of giving himself more options, I like that from Bears perspective. And I think it's $6. That's a fair price to pay for him. Uh, I, yeah, I came in and I scooped up Carlos Hyde for $3. Uh, we don't know what's going on with James Robinson's heel. He left early against the Seahawks with that injury, and Hyde became the, the featured back following that. Um, were you surprised? I mean, how much do you, how much do you value uh, Hyde? I mean, it seemed no one else bid on Carlos Hyde besides Sam giving a $0 bid. Are you surprised at all that Taylor didn't, given his ownership of James Robinson? Um, possibly. I mean, I think he might just consider that James Robinson will probably just be back for next week. Um, which a lot of people are speculating, you know, Bruce Teal dropped some nerve blockers and some pain meds and he might be fine, you know? Yeah, I I guess that that's, that's Taylor's gamble. Um, 
and we'll get to another game. three dollars it's you know no no money out your pocket basically for someone who could have a solid starting week right i just figured he would try and do at least like a backup bid if he didn't get jeremy mcnichols uh and then also we can we'll go back to nick's bid uh taylor also notably on monday night Daryl Williams was not the lead back for the Chiefs. It was more of a rotation, but the lead guy of all of them was Derek Gore, a player that I frankly had never heard of until I saw him in the game and was like, is that Frank Gore? Which it was not. Uh, I would use number 40, so he probably wasn't. Eric scooped up Derek Gore for free post waivers. Um, and he also got Ty Johnson, who had five catches for 71 yards and a touchdown on Sunday against the Bengals, you know, Mike White is the check down king. Well, how do you feel about these two moves for Eric? Do you think that is Eric's running back situ- situation after, I mean, are you, first of all, are you surprised that Taylor didn't get Derek Gore? And then second of all, is Eric's running backs running back course secretly good now? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, with uh, even though he's got Elijah Mitchell, um who went off last week yeah he's 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 coming back um austin eckler is probably the number one running back right now like <laughs> after uh, yeah. tractor Cito. yeah i mean um, without without tractor Cito, it's a healthy debate and yeah i think a lot of our managers are making poor waiver decisions and I mean, maybe Taylor thought, you know, 25, that's going to get McNichols. You know, no one's going to bid over 25 on a confusing, no one knows what's going on back there kind of thing. And then, yeah, Melfi proves everyone wrong every week. Right, out of Didn't, nowhere, not predicting that. He's not even trying to get a quarterback. No, did not even try and get a quarterback. I mean, we, we all know Sam Darnold. Uh, he had the brutal concussion on Sunday afternoon that knocked him out for the rest of the game and potentially could knock him out for up to a month. I mean, did the, the tenor around it has not been good. The Panthers signed a practice squad a quarterback, Josh Love, to come in, so that doesn't speak well to Darnold being available this week. Um, so, yeah, now, I mean, Melby already was in a dire, dire quarterback situation in that both Sam Darnold and Ryan Tannehill, his two starting quarterbacks, his only two quarterbacks, have a week 13 bye. So unless he does something, he's punting that already. Uh, but on top of that, now without Darnold, he could be down to one quarterback for this week. And P.J. Walker got scooped up. Colt McCoy, who could be replacing Kyler Murray, who's potentially injured, got scooped up. I don't know where Melfi's getting a quarterback at this point. Potentially he's going to you for Taysom Hill. Potentially he's going to Taylor for a move or something like that. But right now. I've got four QB1s, fellas. I'm open to offers. You're open to offers. Um, so I'm, I mean, we don't need to harp on this too much. I'm just, I'm baffled that Melfi allowed his quarterback situation to get this point again, because we've been telling him over and over again, please, please get a quarterback. Uh, and then the final waiver wire move to touch on, Nick gets Pat Fryermuth, the Steelers tight end. Of course, TJ Hawkinson is on by this week, with as are the whole, are all the Lions. Uh, so he needed a, a tight end to come in. I think pretty cut and dry. Fryermuth, one of the better options available. So, you know, worth $5 to get his top, his top guy. And, you know, Nick still finds himself in a pretty financially um, solvent position at 50 fab left over this has a somewhat looser feel to it yeah it's got an almost improvisational tone so now let's close things out let's get into a week nine preview uh things coming down to the wire every single manager is within at least two games of the playoffs and all but one are within one game of the playoffs it's as tight as it's ever been at this point in the season a lot of intrigue and we're going to start out with arguably the biggest matchup of the week, you against Barra, you come into this matchup seven and one, four and zero in the division. Barra enters it five and three, with it now defeating me and usurping me for second place in the division. He's also three and zero in the Marina in the United's division, and at this point, both you and Barra control your destiny for best record in the league and 
for the Unitas division. And crucially, the winner of the, of the division gets the first round bye. So this is a crucial, crucial matchup for both of you. Um, first of all, would you say at this point, would you put Barra, who, despite all the questions we have about his running back depth and his depth overall, we're clowning him for running the three tight end sets. He's got the second best record in the league right now. He's got the second most points scored in the league behind Curtis. Would you consider Barra one of the top tier contenders at this point? Definitely. Yeah. He's, I would put myself maybe third and then Barra second and Nick first. I mean, Cooper cup is probably going to be the first wide receiver off the, off the board next year value wise. Um, and he's got Matt Stafford doubling up on that. Yeah. I mean, cup has been cup at this point is having through eight weeks, the greatest fantasy season of any wide receiver of all time. So it is fair to say he's doing pretty well. Um, so you would say you think right now Barra is over. You think Barra is over you and just behind Nick in terms of contenders. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially this week, it's he's caught me on a, a bad week where I've got Tom Brady and Chris Godwin on by. You know? Yeah. Um, you, he is getting, you're getting that. I mean, you're not getting, and he's relatively healthy. I mean, you still got Burrow and Prescott and, you know, Chase Claypool, Chase and Chase Claypool, uh, Myers. I mean, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, obviously an elite trio. Um, so, I mean, right Chase now Claypool he's falling off a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is more so on Ben. Uh, I mean, he has, he's the 52% favorite. Would you say at this point, long-term, do you think Barra needs to make a move to win the championship? Or do you think that as presently constructed, he can win the title? I think it would be absurd if he was able to win the title starting three tight ends every week. Uh, Like we're letting this happen in our league, you know, like where's the teams coming to compete with this man? Yeah, I can't even say anything. I, I let him run all over me last week with his three tight end set. Um, you know, I get it. To I me, mean, to an extent, our defenses have been prepared for more wide receivers and running backs. So now he's going with the heavy package and kind of catching people off guard. Um, <laughs> I would say this I, before we move on. I think the interesting thing with, uh, with Barra's team is the emergence the last few weeks of Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, albeit Kyle Pitts, didn't have the greatest game last week being shut down by Stephon Gilmore and the elite Carolina Panthers defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, At this point, if we're, we're ranking tight ends for the rest of the season, if you had to do, if we're doing a draft for tight ends for the rest of the season, where do you put Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts? Um. I mean, if Kyle Pitts comes, you know, and he doesn't have a three-point game again, he's going to be top five. Mark Andrews, I mean, he did have a poor week last week. He didn't catch that many of his targets, but I don't know. Well, he didn't play last week because he was on bye. I'm uh, Week seven. Yeah, against Um, Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't know how many of those targets he actually were catchable, but he caught under half of them, so. Would you say – would it be – Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say I would be interested in getting either one of any of those tight ends, you know, if you wanted to trade some before the week. Would you say, do you think it would be ludicrous for someone to, if we did the redraft of tight ends exclusively for rest of the season, just this year, do you think it would be ludicrous for someone to take Pitts or Andrews over Travis Kelsey? Absolutely not. Um, the way it's been looking, Kyle Pitts has really opened up when Ridley's going to be gone, you know, for sure, pretty much the rest of the season. Uh, he's going to be feasting. And Travis Kelsey, is he's, he's on a, a desert island of food. You know, there's, there's not anything going around of him. Okay, uh, we will rec- recuse you from 
predicting this one since you are involved with it. I'm going to predict that you get the W because I think that uh, George Kittle will be back. So when you replace Jared Cook with him in your lineup, I think you'll be the slight favorite, and I think you'll get the W because um, I, I think this is just going to be a big game for your big week for your running backs. So I feel pretty confident you're going to get the W this week, uh, but should be an exciting one and obviously is going to be uh, a pretty massive one. I mean, if you get the win, you arguably, you know, we have how many, how many weeks do we have left? We have one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. So if you get the win, you're up three games on Barrow with five weeks left. He could potentially come back and beat you, but then he would still have to make up two games in four weeks. So that'd be pretty difficult. So a win would put you in pretty nice position for winning the division. Uh, so now let's move on to Curtis, who's now four, who's four and four after the close victory, not close victory, after the victory over Taylor last week. Uh, but now he's down Derrick Henry against Melfi, who's three and five. Uh, we've already discussed everything about Melfi, like what he's doing at quarterback. It's, it's not what you mm-hmm. want. It's just not what you want at all. Um, I do think if we're going to praise, if we're going to give Melfi some credit, I think Mike Gesicki was an excellent pickup who, after he had a donut week one with, for Taylor against me, uh, Gesicki has actually been a top five tight end ever since then, which is kind of surprising to a lot of people. So Gesicki was a nice pickup there, and obviously he got Zach Ertz before he was traded to the Cardinals. Nice pickup there. Uh, but Leonard Fournette on bye this week, and Leonard Fournette really was kind of holding things down for Melfi at running back, especially with Chris Carson and David Montgomery on IR and potentially, you know, out for a little bit. Um, do you think that Jeremy McNichols will be enough to supplement what Fournette has in combination with Damian Harris to get this win? Wait, are we looking at, okay. Yeah. I was about to say, I couldn't see Fournette on his, uh, bench, but it's on, he's in his, he's in his starting roster. Um, yeah. I would like to hope that Jeremy McNichols and AD, my, my prediction, I mean, I think everyone is kind of going on this, that probably McNichols will equal out with AD overall, just because he'll be getting some catches. He might, he's not going to get the main carries probably, but with Fournette not putting up a great game last week either. It's not like uh, he's losing out on that much. It seems uh, I would say, I don't know. It's hard to, to accurately judge Melfi's team just because all of his running backs are so garbage. Well, I mean, that, that, well, that seems like an assessment in and of itself. Um, if you had to bet, so we, this is interesting that we have the matchup of Adrian Peterson against McNichols, the two Titans running backs that were picked up this week. If you had to bet which one is going to score more this week, Peterson or McNichols? Um, Peterson, I think he'll end up securing some touchdowns, uh, goal line. He's going to get the goal line looks, I imagine. And that's kind of where he does his work is just grinding it through. Okay. Uh, and, short yards. Okay. Um, so we move it like in the wake of Derrick Henry getting hurt, Curtis feels like he has to make a move because really his running backs we're not that good outside of Henry, but he had a great running back core because Henry was so good that even Henry and Melvin Gordon is arguably the top running back duo in, in fantasy because Henry was just so much better than everyone else. At this point, it seems the obvious place for Curtis to make a move, if he's going to make a move, would be to deal one of his elite wide receivers, which right now, no question about it, if you're talking about top five wide receivers in fantasy this year, we, obviously Cooper Cup's number one because of what he's been doing, but the next three guys might be Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and Devo Samuel in any sort of order you want. Jerry Judy also pretty valuable. Would you well, – first of all, between Devontae, Tyreek, and Devo Samuel, do you have a strong preference between the three among any of them? And then on additionally, what would you give up to get one of them? I've been trying to make moves for Devontae Adams just as I think he's probably – the lowest of the top three receivers that Curtis has. Uh, and then I'd probably put uh, Debo and then Tiresias. So you'd go Tyreek last of those three. Uh, like uh, last being f- like first 
Oh, so you think like, like best. So yeah, Devontae Adams that, is his worst of the three. So you think Devontae Adams at this point is less valuable than Debo Samuel or Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Okay. Um, so what would you give up, hypothetically speaking, what would you give up for Devontae Adams? It doesn't have to be necessarily from your team, but like structure-wise, what would you be looking for if you're Curtis? For If you're going to be making a move where you give up Devontae Adams? Um, I'd be looking for like a Lamar Jackson, like, uh, maybe an Aaron Jones might be a bit of a reach, but something along those lines, like a top option and in, in the other categories, like, I think anyone above Aaron Jones, like Jonathan Taylor, that's, that's going to be a reach, uh, just with Adams. But I think you could, I would give up Joe Mixon for Devontae Adams, you know? Okay, so you think that bottom – so you would say that anyone outside of the top five running backs – so you think like somewhere between like running back six through running back 12 would be appropriate value in exchange for Devontae? Yeah, something like that. Okay. A quarter of um, Patterson maybe. Well, and Patterson's a running back and a wide receiver. So, I mean, how can you even stop that? Um. It will be interesting. You you noted uh, prior to the pod, or maybe on the pod, I don't remember at this point, uh, that we've only had two trades since Eric. Or did you say we have only had two trades or zero trades since Eric two, and Nick made trades. their information? Two trades? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we haven't had a whole lot of action since then. I think that it seems pretty likely that this week, between the issues at quarterback for Melfi between Curtis needing to make up for Derrick Henry that we could see a lot of action this week. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I am going to predict that Curtis is going to get the W this week over Melfi. What would you predict? I'm going to say, yeah, Curtis probably takes it. Um, Melfi just consistently is shitting the bed. Robert Woods is not pulled up in the way that we'd hoped. Um, but he well, Woods was pretty good last off. week. Yeah. But relative to where he's being, you know, where he was drafted and stuff, I don't think yeah. he's doing as much. He certainly um, has been disappointing relative to Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's all of all of Melfi's wide receivers have been pretty poor, except C.D. Lamb. Uh, Jarvis Landry's definitely, definitely gone down uh, ever since his his out. Yeah, he was hurt, and then last week Jarvis Landry had two potentially. I mean, he dropped one ball, and then he also had another drop on fourth down that would have continued the game. Um, obviously, there's a lot of reasons why the Browns lost, but Jarvis Landry was responsible for two of the worst plays there. Um, so now we move on to Eric at 3-5, and five, got a close W over Sam last week to keep himself within one game of first place in the Marino division against Taylor, who sits in last place at 2-6. and six. Um you know, we mentioned before, I mean, I think this is a, a stacked week in terms of matchups. One of the most stacked weeks we'll have all year, in my opinion. Um, and this is sort of the flip side of your matchup with Barra, which is for first place. You could argue this matchup is even more important because both you and Barra, if you have to feel pretty good about your chances of at least making the playoffs right now, which, you know, as we, we all know from Taylor's Atlanta Braves, all you got to do is get in. And once you get in, who knows what's going to happen at that point. And right now, Eric and Taylor, especially Taylor, if Taylor loses, he's fighting a really up, he's climbing an uphill battle to make the playoffs. And same case with Eric to a lesser extent. Um, now we look at Eric's team. We mentioned before the top of the pod, at the top of the podcast that Eric actually has a pretty impressive set of running backs now and it's you know arguably the top running back in all of fantasy without tractor cedo and austin eckler mm-hmm. and i thought what was critical for eric last week was that justin fields came through and nearly matched his entire season total for points he had 29 he had something like 28 or 29 points and entering the game fields had 37.7 for the entire season Fields had over 100 yards rushing, just the second quarterback this season to have a 100-yard rushing game, in addition to Lamar Jackson, the GOAT. Um, At this point, now with his revitalized running back crew, with Justin Fields potentially turning a corner fantasy-wise, where do you – do you think Eric has – 
has clawed himself back into being a legitimate playoff contender. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the problem I would see with Justin Fields, uh, he's, he's just been going up and down so hard. You know, he got 27 last week and then what a week or two before he got like negative points and he's gotten negative points twice, I think. Which yeah, is definitely he had, not um, what you need. He had negative 0.84 points in week seven immediately prior to the uh, 27.3 last week. Yeah, and I mean, he's just been hovering between like 7, 14, you know, negative 5, and then 27. So, and then Pittsburgh, I think, has a pretty good secondary. You know, it's not going to be easy for them on primetime Monday night to be hitting those those shots and making those big runs. Yeah, I did like that uh, the Manning cast, they saw that it was going to be Big Ben against Justin Fields, and they pulled the Magic Johnson like, oh, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> they took the they're like we're not we're not sitting around for this shit uh and now we so we flip over to so we feel pretty so you, you would say fields still remains a question mark for you for eric would you say that is yeah. the question mark for his team moving forward um i think it's yeah probably i mean his tight end situation is not hot but it's tolerable it's, yeah it's whatever i mean Pretty much everyone has a whatever tight end, it seems, at this point. Yeah. So would you say, let's say hypothetically, where would Fields need to be on a week-to-week basis for you to feel confident and Eric making the playoffs and having some sort of chance at a run? Does he need to be the the ninth-best quarterback in fantasy? Could he get away with him being the 15th-best quarterback in fantasy? Where does he need Fields to be, in your opinion? Um, I mean, with how bad Justin Herbert has also been doing the last few weeks, I think Justin Fields has to step it up and be at least a top 10 quarterback to be relevant for Eric. Okay. Uh, and now we all in on that Justin Herbert and it's really not paid off except one week. Yeah, he did go all in on Justin Herbert and hasn't paid off. And on the flip side with Taylor has another quarterback. Taylor also went all in on a quarterback who has not paid off so far. That of course is Patrick Mahomes, who he spent $74 in the auction for by far the most expensive quarterback uh, to go in the auction uh, just ahead of uh, Josh Allen, who went for 69 to Nick. Uh, 69. Nice. <laughs> um, Mahomes has been disappointing over the last few weeks to say the, to say the least. Um, if we take a look at over the last four weeks on average, uh, Mahomes has been, I am scrolling really far to find this. Wow. He has been the 24th. He's been QB 24 over the last four weeks. He Jesus. has averaged just 15.68 points, which is below Matt Ryan, below Mac Jones, just ahead of Baker Mayfield. Um, some guys who have averaged more points over the last four weeks than Patrick Mahomes include Mike White, Cooper Rush, Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Tua Tungavailoa. These are not names that you want to be outscored by if you are, uh, you know, if you're Patrick Mahomes. And for the record, I mean, we talk about like your situation at QB1. The last four weeks, QB2 is Tom Brady, QB4 is Joe Burrow, QB six is Dak Prescott. You have all three of those. So that's a great situation for you. What would, so at this point, you know, Taylor finds himself at two and six and he's, he's panicking, understandably. So what would you say, what would you give up for Patrick Mahomes? If Taylor decided to put Mahomes out on the trade block, what would you give up to get Mahomes in a, you know, Again, the same deal with Devontae Adams and all that stuff. It doesn't have to be your players necessarily, but like what would be a trade, a structure of a trade package that would make sense in your opinion to get Patrick Mahomes? Um, I mean, it might be wise for him to even to try to package Kelsey in and try to the only way that you can kind of justify those guys is potential double dips. You know, and Taylor spent like a fourth of his whole auction budget on Mahomes. So he needs him to be a cornerstone. And so he's got to get someone back who's going to do the job. Uh, 
I would give him Taysom Hill, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> Taysom Hill for Patrick Mahomes. That seems reasonable to me, Taylor. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think like if you try to package Patrick and Kelsey, that, that would probably be his best bet. And he could go for, I don't even know, like, uh, he could try to upgrade to like Stafford, like, uh, Kyler Murray, maybe. So you think Stafford would be an upgrade over Mahomes at this point? Uh, On a week-to-week basis, I think there's definitely potential. Now, also, it's worth noting, so you talked about how much he gave up for Mahomes. If he packaged Dalvin and and Mahomes, you know, obviously, we're packaged Kelsey. I mean, he gave up Dalvin Cook to get Travis Kelsey from you, right? And Taylor spent, of his $300 auction budget, he spent 147, so just under half, on Mahomes and Dalvin, so which has now become Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So if you're packaging those two together, he has to get quite a bit back. Has to get quite a bit back. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that just the way it worked out, there's pretty much no way for him to get reasonable value anymore. At this point, so do you think that, like, because he wouldn't be able to get reasonable value, do you think that it makes more sense for him just to hold on to Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, we have to hope that Mahomes will kind of figure things out uh, over the next few weeks, kind of understand he doesn't need to have to make the play every third play. He's, you know, he's not going to be just chucking it downfield. Hopefully his receivers will get some hands as well. Uh, you know, I feel bad. I feel like it was Josh Gordon who caused that tipped interception in the end zone. That's my oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, young Josh Gordon. Although I think, uh, was it Jarek McKinnon who hit, hit his hands on that? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it, it wasn't all on Josh, but. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of people. Um, bad throw, yeah, just a lot of, it, it wasn't really going for him. And even though he was open and. Yeah. It so, how a, many weird situation? How many quarterbacks would you take over Mahomes for the rest of the season? Five, seven, ten? What's the number? I think there's at least eight. Like Jalen Hurts. Surprisingly, um, I don't think Justin Herbert is going to do it. Dak, Tom Brady, Allen, and Lamar and Stafford. Yeah, I, I think I'd put those guys over him rest of season so you put him in around in like the six to eight range yes for the rest of the year okay okay which really Um, sucks before we move on would you just say uh would you say a loss is a death knell to taylor's season in this matchup yeah i mean if you're two and seven he's got to win like basically is all of his games right he's got to win out pretty much to make it you have to get yeah that wins or something that is, um, and so we'll, who are you going to predict gets the W this week? I'm, I'm feeling Eric's getting it. Okay. You know what's uh, strange? Also- you were saying Taylor's like the least patient manager, but I think it would have been very shrewd of him to try to move Mahomes a little earlier once he realized his team was down in the garbage. But yeah, he was very I mean, adamant that he was not moving Mahomes. Yeah. Um, well, also, you I mean, remember, and I, I mentioned before with Melfi, he made a shrewd move to pick up Mike Gesicki, who's become a top five tight end. Taylor dropped him after week one because he had a donut. So, I mean, if Taylor just – we talk about lack of patience. If Taylor just holds on to Mike Gesicki, he doesn't have to give up Dalvin uh, to get Travis Kelsey because his tight end situation is already, already suited up. And, in fact yeah. – I believe over the last month, Gasicki has averaged more points per game than Travis Kelsey. Um, and, I mean, one last thing, Taylor, the, the, the sticky thing with Taylor is that he, his long-term keeper values situation is not great. Daniel Jones at this point is the only guy that has any sort of keeper value for him at $1. And even then, that's a little murky. And outside of him, I don't know who's going to be his mercenary keeper. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, dynasty, the dynasty keeper makes sense. It's going to be Danny Dimes. But the mercenary keeper, I have no idea what he's doing uh, moving forward. Um, so now we move on to my matchup against Nick, which, you know, before the season, this one was, gonna, this one was circled 
It's the only regular season matchup between myself and Nick. Uh, this one would have been circled as arguably the top matchup of the entire regular season because it's a rematch of the first two championship games, both of which I came ahead victorious over Nick. Um, the first year was not an upset. Last year was a pretty massive upset after Nick had the highest scoring total week in the entire history of the league uh, and the week prior to facing me before I came ahead victorious. This week, we're looking at two teams heading in opposite directions. I've lost three straight, and the scoring totals have been pretty lackluster as well, so you can't just say it's been a rough schedule. Nick has won four straight and has cons- and twice, and I believe three times, has had the high score in that four-week span, and twice he ended up facing off against the team that would score the second most points that week. So Nick has gone through the gauntlet, and he's dominated that gauntlet. Um so let's start with, I mean, you talked about it before. You think he's the, the championship favorite at this point. Do you see any holes in his team now? Uh, his kicker spot's empty. Yeah, that Other than one, that, not really. Yeah, I mean, the lack of kicker, uh, I mean, that those are just 10 easy points that he's passing up right now. And I think that's, you got to question his managerial uh, acumen if he's not going to be having a kicker. It's shameful, really. But honestly, uh, he's got like the although Devontae Parker's kind of stepped up over Waddle, uh, that's been a bit of a downgrade. His flex is not hot. Brandon Ayuk has definitely been shitting the bed majorly every week. Um, other than that, though, like Darrell, his running back duo is incredible. Well, that, that's with DeAndre Swift on by, too. And Swift is yeah. arguably the top guy, even though he did awful last week yeah he was he was pretty bad last week um yeah I mean Nick's running back core is pretty stacked Ayuk what's funny about him is that like everyone in the fantasy community last week was like yes Ayuk is back Ayuk is back and then you look at the box score and it's like okay he had four catches for 45 yards that's what we're getting excited about with Brandon Ayuk at this point that's how low he has gotten to to where that's what we're getting excited over uh but yeah Nick's team right now looking pretty stacked uh, at this point with me looking into my team, would you say it, it's panic time? Do you think I should be pressing the panic button after three straight losses and some lackluster performances? Yeah. I mean, you got to figure out what's going on in your, in your wide receiver flex area. Uh, you know, Javante Williams has been not doing great as uh, your uh, third running back or whatever. Your third, yeah, he's the third. It's, you got Jamal uh, Williams, right? Yeah, I have. I have not. Najee Harris is my clear RB one. Uh, Antonio Gibson's the RB two, and then we have Javante and Jamal Williams. Carlos Hyde now. Um, Clyde edwards lair of course, is going to be out for a few more weeks. Uh, potentially, he could be the RB three when he returns. But you know, maybe Derek Gore by that point has completely claimed that backfield. So who knows what's going on with that? Um. So yeah, I mean the the, the squad right now, especially you know. It's, it was an unfortunate situation where I thought I felt pretty great about my QB three situation um, beyond Lamar and Trevor Lawrence, because, it, you know, Trey Lance got the start against Arizona. It looked like he was going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. Uh, he ended up hurting his knee. He's going to be out for that. And then uh, Tyrod Taylor, who I picked up, was excited about. He got hurt. He was out for the last little bit. So the last two weeks when I thought I would have Tyrod and Trey Lance to slot in for Lawrence and Lamar Jackson, who were on by back-to-back weeks, I ended up having to go Davis Mills both of those weeks. And, you know, you can't really blame that too much, though, because Davis Mills had 21 points last week and did perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right now, the, the whole team's just been disappointing. There's no way around it. Um, you know, I could say Waller is out the last two weeks, but Foster Moreau and Dan Arnold did well in their, his place as well. Um, I'm not punting on the season cause I never do. And I feel great. I still feel like I have a great chance to make a run because I always do. Um, and I feel like I can figure some stuff out and we have Lamar and we have some, we do have some stars to build around, but we can't act like this. Is, we can't just pretend like nothing's going on here. You know, this is the situation has not been good. Um, yeah, usually your strong points always been in your depth and it's just not, hasn't worked out. Yeah. And you know, part of that's injury and part of that's just been some mediocre management on my end. Um, so we'll see what, you know, we're, we're going to do what we have to do uh, and hopefully get a W this week, but I 
I'm going to assume that you're going to pick Nick over myself. And I probably would too, if I were in your position as well. Uh, yeah, for certainly. Uh, your wide receivers are just pretty uninspiring. No, offense. well, I mean, I would, I think the wide receivers are like my strongest group. I mean, Terry's out, but like between scare between uh, McLaurin F1, Mr. Jefferson and Hollywood, I feel relatively good about that. You know, Devonta has been very disappointing. There's no way around that. Um, we don't, I mean, Marvin Jones, I th- think has still been pretty good for what I, you know, I got him for a dollar. He's getting a bunch of end zone targets. He's by far the number one wide receiver in Jacksonville. Um, it'd be nice if Rashad Bateman emerged as well. Um, but I-, I can see why you'd have some criticisms there. Um, the team's got a lot of work to do. There's no way around it. It's got a lot of work to do. Uh, and then finally, the last match that we're going to talk about is a battle. We mentioned before you against Bear, a battle for first place in Unitas. In the Marino division, we have Sam and Daniel going head to head, a playoff, a matchup that we thought maybe we'd see in the playoffs last year. We did not. Uh, Daniel against Sam, potentially for first place in the Marino division. Obviously, right now, there's a lot of tiebreaker stuff going on, but. They both find themselves at four and four, you know, in a four-way tie for first place in the Marino. Two and two in the division. So this is going to be a crucial crucial division matchup for a division record and for head-to-head tiebreaker, of course. And it's so not four, as sexy. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Eric's one, one game behind him at three and five. Uh, now, this is not as sexy of a quarterback matchup as we thought it would be entering because Aaron Rodgers, we found out quickly before the podcast started, is unvaccinated and had a COVID and tested positive for COVID. So he will not be playing on Sunday in Kansas city. Kyler Murray right now is projected to play, but a lot of folks believe that with his ankle injury, he's going to miss this week against the San Francisco 49ers. So we could have a matchup where we have Mike white and Jordan love for Sam at quarterback against Jalen hurts and Teddy Bridgewater for uh, Daniel. So maybe not as sexy of a quarterback matchup, in this one, but then also we're going to be monitoring if uh, Daniel has Saquon Barkley back for this matchup. It seems 50-50 if he'll be back for their game against the Raiders on Sunday. Um, I think Gibby where, actually just said that Saquon has COVID. Did he? Does he have COVID? I, I mean, at twelve forty, Gibby said, "Ha ha ha, Saquon has COVID too." Oh, uh, yeah, he tests positive for COVID, so. Uh, Saquon and he's will be apparently. He is vaccinated. Apparently, okay. So maybe he could. I guess maybe he could come back. It's five yeah. days, right? Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if he was uh, diagnosed with COVID or if he had like COVID contact or whatever. You know, where you have to oh. be out. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that Saquon tested positive for COVID. Um, Barkley, who is vaccinated, uh, he would need to post two negative tests within 24 hours and show no symptoms to play week nine. Um, there are of course the questions if Saquon even beyond COVID would be healthy enough, uh, but that's a match. That's an injury that would not only affect this matchup with Daniel against uh, Sam, but also your matchup against Barra because Barra has Devonte Booker Saquon's handcuffs. So that could be potentially a, a relevant injury for both this matchup and yours. Um, right now, would you say that, it's fair to say that would you put Sam and Daniel in the in the real championship contender um, tier, if you will, or do you think right now they're merely playoff teams and that's it? I think Daniel probably will miss out on playoffs if anyone. Uh, I think. Yeah, Gibby's team's probably going to be doing better overall, in you my see, opinion. So you th- why why are you so down on Daniel's team at this point? I think Tony's been pretty overrated. Uh, not that I don't think he's an electrifying player. I just don't think that the Giants are making it work for him uh, either way. Uh, Saquon Barkley... Even though he scores a lot, I think he's just uh, he's he's his stats overall never really were inspiring to me. Zeke obviously uh, is pretty good, but uh, other than that, like the Texans wide receiver, that's a weird situation that I wouldn't want to be part of. 
just because they're it's a trash team and I don't know their quarterback situation is not helping him with Brandon Cooks even though he's got a good matchup well Tyrod could be coming back yeah do you think Jordan Love is related to Josh Love I do not believe they're related uh Josh Love of course the guy who signed with the Panthers um recently in the wake of the Darnell injury but no I do not think that uh it's a great week for Jay Loves though um Mm -hmm. yeah I mean this backups yeah, I mean, we we obviously have, we have no idea what Jordan Love's going to look like. I mean, that that's just a bummer from like a beyond fantasy or anything. That's just a bummer because we're not gonna, we don't we're not going to get a whole lot of Rodgers Mahomes matchups. Um, we were very close, obviously, to getting Rodgers Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year before Matt Lafleur decided to kick a field goal at the four yard line down four points uh, with two minutes left. Yeah. That was weird. Um, you know, Mike White had the great. I mean, he had the Second best debut for a quarterback ever behind Cam Newton, of course, 2011 against the Cardinals. First pass of his NFL career was an 80-yard touchdown to Steve Smith down the left sideline, a beautiful pass. Um, I would personally say I kind of disagree with you about Daniel's team because I do think that when Kyler is healthy, when Hurts is, is healthy, that's arguably the top, the top quarterback duo in, all, in, you know, in the league. Um, when Saquon and Zeke are healthy, I think that's a pretty good running back duo. And you know, I don't love any of his wide receivers. I don't think he has any true wide receiver ones, but I look at his team and he has a lot of like the wide receiver two, like high end wide receiver three types where he's just got a lot of depth there that he's a lot of bodies that he can throw at people. And in general, I like his running back depth as well too, where, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Tony Pollard as Zeke's backup is someone that you can throw in to flex, you know, in a pinch and feel okay about Michael Carter at over 30 points last week, Miles Gaskin, hit or miss, but, you know, he can catch a lot of passes. He's shown that capability this year. Um, you know, I, I think that he – I think Daniel's pretty well set up, and I would say – I'd say the same for Sam if Sam could figure out his other quarterback position besides Rodgers. Um, you know, we mentioned before the Burrow-Heineke trade. I think that – you know, I think that's really kind of slept on in terms of what how it's affected Sam's season because I think that a Rodgers-Burrow cube – QB duo I feel great about his team at that yeah. point because then you'd have Rodgers and Burrow he would have Chubb Kareem Hunt's going to come back at some point Christian McCaffrey could be back this week could be back next week but he should be back pretty soon that'd be an elite set of running backs plus he has Cordero and you know Zach Moss um the Ravens guy so he's got good running back depth um his wide receiver core I think looks completely different now that he made the AJ Brown trade and Brown is potentially a guy that I would view as you know, maybe rest of the season, top five wide receiver. Um, you know, I think, you know, the way he looked on Sunday and now with no Derrick Henry, they're going to have to throw it a lot more. Um, I, I feel pretty good about Sam and Daniel's team. I'd be surprised if either of them missed out on the playoffs. Um, I would say Sam needs to make a move more than Daniel does in terms of putting himself in championship contention, though, where I think he needs to figure out the second QB spot. I really think yeah. he needs to figure that out. Um, and it's I mean, definitely it's overlooking big... that when I was considering, I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be out, but then just being stuck with Mike White, uh, that could be disastrous. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Rodgers will be, I think he'll probably dismiss this week against Kansas city and then be back after that. Um, but I mean, Sam has the resources to make a trade if he wants to make a deal. So that, that's certainly going to be something that's on the table uh, for him. So you know, we'll see how things shake out, but I feel pretty good, like I said, about both of them at least making the playoffs. And as a side note, do you think like DJ Moore is going to be that valuable with uh, no Darnold if it's just PJ Walker or Josh Love throwing the ball to him? Um, I mean, he probably is less Patriots valuable defense, but I mean, he's probably a little bit less valuable, but I think also DJ Moore, like this year, he's asserted himself as by far the best receiver on the Panthers, you know, entering the year, there were some, there were some Robbie Anderson truthers, which I kind of got, but I didn't really get. Um, But I mean, mean, Moore's been incredible this year. I think he's going to be valuable regardless of who they have. Um, So who are you going to take this week, Daniel or Sam? Um, Just assuming Christian McCaffrey doesn't come back. uh, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't practicing today, so that's not a good look. I mean, it is Wednesday, but yeah. Um, 
I think if Kyler's playing, yeah, Daniel's got it just based on the QBs alone. I mean, the QBs too, it's so important in this league. Okay, so let's say let's say Kyler and Saquon are out, and it's Teddy Bridgewater and then Michael Carter, I guess, is the other running back. Would that cause you to flip your pick, or would you still stick with Daniel? I think Michael Carter is, uh, you know, definitely a good enough supplement. Uh, that wouldn't feel too bad uh, if I had to put him in instead of Saquon. Teddy Bridgewater okay. is definitely a downgrade, but he's serviceable, I suppose. He's pretty unimpressive. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, so is there anything else you want to add before we leave? Do you want to make your sales pitch on Taste of Hell anything before we head out of here? Yeah, I mean, uh, while no one wants to come to the 7-1 guy for trades, I understand. I do know that many of y'all are in dire situations with regards to quarterback, and I'm currently stacked somehow. So if you want a guy who's going to be running the ball – making you tons of points, you're coming to look for Taysom Hill. All right. There he is. Forgetting Terrace Marshall leading the league at seven and one. We'll see how thing we'll see how things shape up after this week with his big matchup against Barra. Huge matchup, huge matchups across the league. I think everyone would say this is the biggest week we've had so far. And not just because it's week nine, but just massive matchups all across uh, the league. Really looking forward to that. Great talking to you, Jack. We will see you sometime soon. Thanks very much.